0: Okay, we are recording. Okay. Thank you. I
1: like too give welcome to everyone who is uh, listening in uh, to this online service that we are offering. Uh, thank- I want to welcome, of course, um, church family and also anyone else, though, you've heard about this and have tuned in as well. And we're pleased to have you. Let me note a, a couple of uh, things here. Um, you've got, you're have evidently on the website, and you have clicked on the uh, service button. Uh, you'll notice as well a couple of uh, icons, PDF icons. Uh, you, if you click one, uh, it will have the service bulletin, which will include the, the hymn text, the confession of faith, so that you're able to participate uh, at home, and we hope that you will. Uh, the other PDF is actually the, the sermon manuscript. We've already gone ahead and posted that on there. and You're, you're welcome to use that or preferably just at the, for the first time, just listen. But either way that you would like to do that. I want to thank everyone who's making this service possible. Our music director, uh, Amy Reber, is here uh, and she has singing for us. Um, Carlton Curtis, Barb Browntree, Harold Parker, Sandy Boyd, and Dick Forrester, uh, Lynn Folks is playing the flute, and Chris Hetledge is at the uh, soundboard. board. I want to thank them all. Let me also use this opportunity again to remind uh, you that if anyone who needs help, and I want you to, to not think that there is help that is too small, but any, any help that you need, whether it's going to the store, whether it's something that you need uh, done at, at the home, whatever it might be, um, please let us know. Uh, We have had uh, church members calling in, asking who can they help. And so it's very easy to get that help for you. Just call into the church or you can uh, call to me or any of your elders or deacons or for that matter, uh, anyone in the church. Everyone is looking for that opportunity to help. Now let's uh, prepare our hearts for worship. From Psalm 51, verse 15. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. So let's praise our Lord uh, together from hymn 164, O for a thousand tongues to sing. joy. and tongues to sing. We looked to that day that all creation lift up their voices to give praise to you. We thank you that we may give our thanks and praise and adoration to you wherever we are, each of us in our different homes and at different times that we are, are listening to this and we are joining in worship. But you hear us. You know each one of us wherever we are. And we pray that you would take delight in the worship that we offer up to you. We pray for that anointing blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us, that we in turn will be a blessing to you in our worship. And we acknowledge that we are able to come to you through the power, through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Good Shepherd. And we give you thanks for him. In his name we pray.
0: Amen. Our confession of faith this morning comes from the Westminster Longer Catechism, question 47 to 49. Let's all confess this together. Christ humbled himself in his conception and birth. In that being from all all eternity, eternity, the the Son Son of God,
2: in In the the bosom bosom of the the Father, he was pleased in the fullness of time to to become become the Son of Man. Born of a woman of low estate, he humbled himself in his life by subjecting himself to the law,
3: which he perfectly
2: fulfilled, and by contending with the indignities of the world, temptations of Satan, and infirmities in his flesh. Christ humbled himself in his death,
0: in that having been betrayed
2: by Judas, forsaken by his disciples, scorned and rejected by the world,
3: condemned by Pilate, and tormented by his persecutors,
2: having also contended with the terrors of death and the powers of darkness, felt and borne the weight of God's wrath, he laid down his life as an offering for sin, Enduring the painful,
3: shameful, and cursed death of the cross.
0: Our first scripture reading today comes from the Song of David, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want.
3: i
1: We thank you that upon that cross he exchanged with us. We gave to him our rags of sin. He gave to us his robe of righteousness. What a wondrous, great exchange that this is. Because of it, we may worship you now and know that you receive our worship. Know that you are our Father because you have adopted us as your children because of that work of your only begotten Son. We pray our Father uh, in this particular extraordinary time, not only in our community and our country, but throughout this world. We just lift up all these matters related to the pandemic. We uh, pray for all of those who are in positions of authority, those in our own country, uh, those who for heads of other countries, each one trying to to struggle and deal with what is best for their nation, how to protect their people. We pray uh, for the leaders. We pray for their advisors, for wisdom, for discernment, uh, for unity and understanding uh, how to best uh, deal uh, with the pandemic. And so we pray for that work of your common grace upon them those who know you, those who do not know you. We pray, our Father, for um, particularly our medical profession, those who have devised the testing in their own country, doing it in other countries, uh, those who are caring uh, for those who are sick. And it's not only those who are sick with the virus, but there are many others who still have their illnesses and seriously ill. And all of this is upon uh, the shoulders of doctors and nurses and other specialists. We pray that you would uphold them. Give them the strength that they need. uh, Just their alertness of mind that they need. And uh, we pray that um, you would just so provide for them as they're carrying out this critical work and caring for and diagnosing and treating and saving the lives of those who have uh, this virus. We pray, our Father, for uh, businesses uh, that are hurting greatly, all businesses that have been closed down or their uh, services they offer are greatly restricted. We pray, we think particularly of small business owners and the effect that this is having upon them. And again, we pray for your provisions. We uh, pray for each community. Uh, to come together as we pray for our own community, to come together to support one another, to encourage each other at this time. Father, we lift up those who are separated from their families uh, because of the pandemic and uh, all of the quarantine restrictions taking place. There are those who have not been able to return home from other countries, those who are not able to return home just in different parts of this country. We pray for your provisions for them. We pray for loved ones who are in uh, nursing homes, retirement homes, hospitals, and we may not, we're not allowed to visit them. We lift them up before you and just pray for your encouragement and comfort and blessing to be upon them. Father, we pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. And again, because of the quarantines, are not... Uh, able to to bring the, the closure and to have the uh, family and loved ones to come around them at this time. Pray for your mercies and comfort and blessings upon them. And then there are just so many other ways in which people are affected. And our Father, it, it just seems, at times just so overwhelming. How do we stop this? How do we help everyone who... Who is suffering in some way and making sacrifices. So all the more we are thankful that we know that you are in control, that as we are offering these prayers to you, that you are our Father who hears us, and you are the sovereign Almighty God, with the power, with the authority to carry out your will. And we do pray for a quick ending for this pandemic throughout the world. We pray particularly for our own country. We uh, pray that all these measures that are being uh, taken uh, will have an effect. And uh, so we we just lift up uh, uh, our community, ourselves, uh, our nation, our world, and pray for your mercies. Our Father, we uh, just lift up those who are going through transitions and um, big changes in their lives. We think of our um, pastor and his family. And we pray for them, your blessings upon them, as uh, they uh, are preparing now to uh, transition and, I believe, moving to Athens. And we pray for them. Pray they'll be able to sell their home. Pray for all that's involved in uh, getting things packed, finding a place to live. We pray particularly for uh, Kylie and for her care and welfare and that this is going to be a move that will make a, a true difference uh, for her. And we, um, Father, we just lift up those in our church who have been struggling all along with illnesses and we, we pray for them, those with chronic pain, those with serious uh, illnesses in which they must be very careful uh, particularly in this time now. And they cannot have the visits. They cannot go out as they normally would. All the more may we be alert in contacting one another and in showing our love uh, for each other and show the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would use this time, our Father, to cause the light of the gospel, the light of in, that is in all of your churches, to shine forth wherever we are wherever your people are, and that because of this, there will be many who will come into your kingdom. They will be touched touch by the love shown to them by your people. They will, at times, have been brought to an understanding of how helpless we are, how little control that we have in this world, that we, what we have, uh, is you. And may we show that peace, that confidence that we have in others will be one to Jesus Christ. We pray for your provisions for us here at the church. And in a moment um, would be the time in which we would have the, the offering and we'll have the music being played. And Father, you know the, the financial needs of this church. And this is providing a hardship uh, for us and being able to meet uh, our financial needs. And so uh, you know, I, I pray, Father, for for each of our members at home, uh, we'll, uh, that you place upon them to, to be generous and to, to take that time to, to give to the church during this week uh, so that we may be able to carry on in ministry for you. And we commit all this before you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.
0: Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, So will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice.
1: Thank you, Carlton. And the passage um, that I'll be preaching up from is John 10 verses 11 through 18, John 10, again verses 11 through 18. Well, Peter turned coward, Pilate panicked, the crowd turned into a murderous mob, and Jesus stood silently resigned to his death. That is where we left matters at the end of his trial. He's now headed for the cross. And we might ask ourselves, what is happening? How did we get here? Well, our passage this morning explains. And in its explanation, we will find comfort and security. Now, Jesus had been using sheep imagery in verses 1 through 10 of of this chapter 10 already. He had noted that unlike a thief who sneaks in, he is a shepherd who enters the pen where the sheep are kept. He knows the sheep and they know him. He's also the door for the sheep. From him his sheep pass in and out in safety, protected from the thieves who intend harm. And all of this is well understood and is comforting. We love this image of Jesus as our shepherd caring for us. The Lord is my shepherd. Now our passage, though, takes the image to another level. Jesus will use the image to present his death. Five times he will speak of laying down his life. And we can divide the passage into three sections that emphasize different aspects about this laying down of his life. And the first section will be verses 11 through 13. Let me read it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... Who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, and cares nothing for the sheep. Now note the contrast here that Jesus makes between the shepherd, to whom the sheep belong, and the hired hand who works merely for wages. When danger comes, a hired hand flees. Risking his life to protect sheep from the dangerous wolf is not worth the minimum wage he receives. The good shepherd, however, cares for the welfare of the sheep. But that is not the exact distinction Jesus is making. He does not say the good shepherd risks his life. No, he lays down his life. He dies for his sheep. So the image we are given is not of a shepherd fighting off the dangerous wolf, but of making himself the wolf's victim. Now, I think most shepherds, even the good ones, would defer from being placed in that category. I mean, you think of the most famous shepherd that we know, David. He told Saul how he fought lions and bears to protect his sheep. So risking one's life is one thing, intentionally laying it down in death, is another. Now, why is the good shepherd Jesus willing to do that? Well, the reason is found in the negative comments about the hired hand. The hired hand does not own the sheep. Jesus' sheep belong to him. The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus cares to the utmost for his sheep. Simply put, Jesus loves his sheep. And he loves them to the fullest extent by laying down his life for them. Now let's go to the next section, verses 14 to 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. Now, in this shepherd, in this section, I mean, Jesus is focused on how the good shepherd knows his sheep. He had talked about this earlier in the chapter, verses 3 and 4. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So Jesus knows, this is what he's saying, he knows each individual sheep. and They know him. And then he compares this relationship with that of God the Father and the Son. Truly the relationship between Jesus and his people is an intimate one. Now his hearers, certainly including his disciples, understand that they're all Jews. And they would be thinking of that unique relationship of Yahweh, Jehovah with the Jewish people and so Jesus adds that there are other sheep not of the particular fold of Israel he means the Gentiles he means us and he's saying they too will be added to his flock with him being the one shepherd now again the the odd part in this section is that about laying down his life when you think about this John could have left out that lay down clause, and none of us would have been the wiser. Perhaps, you know, why does Jesus say it? Per- perhaps he repeats it so that the other sheep whom he will bring also will understand that he lays down his life for them as well. Or perhaps he wants us to realize that his laying down his life is tied up to the will of the Father. That is what he will do, this laying down his life, is what he and his Father have planned Together. The laying down of his life is not his own idea. It is not an option. And it is for the benefit of all his sheep. So we've looked at section 11 through 13, how the shepherd loves, 14 to 16, how the shepherd knows. And now we come to 17, 18, in which we'll look at the authority of the shepherd. For this reason, a father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now, there are three points I want you to note regarding Jesus laying down his life. First, His father loves him all the more for doing it. Laying down his life is the mission on which the father sent his son. Laying down his life is the charge given to him by his father. Second, laying down his life defines how Jesus will die. Jesus will not die because wicked men got the better of him. He will lay down his life. His life will not be taken from him. Jesus, and Jesus alone, possesses the authority over his life. And then third, and this is the most exciting point to know, Jesus has authority to not only lay down his life, but to take it up again. His authority does not end at death. His authority is over death itself. So we've seen how the good shepherd loves, how he knows, and we have seen his authority. Let's consider some of the, the lessons we can get from this now. Let's go back to that concept of the good shepherd loves. And what we can learn is that love is at the center of it all. It's at the center of all that Jesus has come to do. And as our, as our good shepherd, With him being that good shepherd, we can take heart, knowing that his actions toward us, his actions for us, all of them spring from love. He died for us out of love. And he also, though, tends to our needs now out of love. I'm sure all of us know what it is like for someone to do something for us out of mere duty. We wish such a person uh, would just assume, ignore us. We can tell that they're doing their duty begrudgingly, especially if they deem us really unworthy or unappreciative. You know, it's possible to think of Jesus in such a way. You know, to think, well, Jesus died for me. And what do I have to show for it? I keep sinning. Or I, I'm not thankful nearly enough. Surely he must begrudge the suffering he underwent for me. Surely he must get impatient with how little I have grown in my faith. Well, the answer is no. Jesus is in the shepherding business out of love. We belong to him, and he loves us. And he died for us precisely because we're, we are helpless and in way we're just like the sheep. And he continues to, to tend us us as, as our shepherd because we continue to be helpless and wayward without him. He is not a hired hand wondering if he could get into a more lucrative line of work. We are his precious possession. And always remember that, especially remember that when you have fallen, when you have stumbled. Your shepherd loves you and he gladly picks you up. So we are loved by our good shepherd, and we are known. You know, I'm sure we're we're all used to getting mail from companies and and clubs that address us as if they actually know us personally. You know, in modern technology, they can address us by name. Well, the truth is that though they may know more about us than than we actually care for them to know, they don't really know us, do they? And when that customer service rep asks for my name and then uses my name as though we're old friends, I know that I'm nothing more than a client account number to be logged into a computer. Well, our Good Shepherd knows us. He knows each of us. He knows each of us by name. Indeed, he has known us before we ever knew him And it was out of love for each of us that he chose to lay down his life. I want you to remember this. We are each part of a covenant people. For his people, Jesus died. And we look to the day when all his people from every nation and tribe will worship him together. But here's what I want you to understand. You are not lost among that mass of people. Your good shepherd knows you. Just as you know him. And he will not lose you. He will not forget you. And remember too what he said about having people from another flock. And I think what Jesus wants you to know is that neither you nor anyone else is disqualified to be his because of where you come from. There is no nation, there is no tribe, no group of people that are kept out of his flock. Nothing from your past can disqualify you. And if Jesus has set his sight on you and has chosen you, you will be his. And when he speaks to you, you will know his voice. And you will know that you are loved, that you belong to him, and that he will not let you go. I want this to be a comfort to you parents and grandparents who worry for your covenant children. You might know the pain of their straying and you worry for their salvation. And that's an appropriate concern. And you should be faithful in prayer. But pray in hope. You have more reason to believe that your children will return to the fold than not. And there are many stories of such children returning, even at the strangest of times. I think of one who... Who told me this testimony of, of turning to the Lord in the midst of a drug overdose? Or another one who returned to the Lord while she is vacuuming her house. You know, your children might stray, but they are never lost from the sight of the Good Shepherd. So we are loved by our Good Shepherd, we are known by our Good Shepherd, we're also made secured. You know, our good shepherd did not lay down his life in hope that he might be able to take it up again. He did not lay down his life in in hope that it might accomplish our salvation. Our good shepherd is a shepherd with authority, with all authority. And it is an authority given by God the Father and in complete alignment with the Father's will. And so our salvation is made secure in him. No wolf can harm us. No thief can steal us. We cannot stray to our doom. We cannot give way to hunger or thirst or disease. For by his rod and staff, our good shepherd leads us. And is this not all good to know in such times as this? I mean, in less than a month, this congregation, we have experienced the sudden loss of a beloved elder and church member. We've been caught up in a worldwide pandemic, and we are having to say goodbye to our pastor. You know, I'll tell you what has impressed me during this time, and that is in it's learning how this congregation actually already knows about their good shepherd. I've been getting emails and, and texts from church members. And, and let, let me just read samples uh, of, from them. I pray that others will see the Lord's sovereignty and be drawn to him. Another one. We know that God is in control and he is right beside us. Or another one. From Moses to Mary, God has told us, do not be afraid. So why start now? Our Lord is in control. Or another one. I worship an awesome God. Or this one. I know God is in control and is working out his plans for all mankind. And then quotes uh, from, from the psalm. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Now, these kind of remarks, these responses to the pandemic and other troubles in in life, they're from people who, as Jesus said, know the voice of their shepherd. They come from people who know the love of their shepherd, who know that they are known, who know that they are secure in him. And that's why verses like I'm about to read resonate with them. I'm sure resonate with you. From Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Or this one from Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19. Though the fig tree shall not blossom You know these passages. You know, whenever I read these kind of passages from the Old Testament, I think to myself, and they did not know what Jesus would do. You know, they they had a hope for the Messiah, but they had no idea of what he would come and do for them. Now let's go back to Jesus' comment of laying down his life for his sheep in verse 11. He says, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I think of were there when Jesus said this. I was one of the disciples. I don't think that comment would comfort me. I mean, I, I think this way. I, I'd be thinking, what good is a shepherd who allows himself to be killed by the wolf? I mean, that might be a noble action, but then it leaves the sheep defenseless. I want to hear that the good shepherd fights off the predators. I want to hear that the good shepherd is brave and mighty like King David when he was a shepherd. I want you to lay down your life. I want you to fight. I want you to fight for me and and protect me. And if you must die, then, then die in the fight with your rod and your staff flying. Or pull out your sword and swing it while going down. Make your enemies fight to take your life. Don't lay it down. I would have been like Peter. I would have been like Peter when he was taken by fear when his good shepherd told him to put up his sword and then quietly yielded himself to his captors. I would have been like the rest of the disciples who scattered when I saw my shepherd struck down. I would have been like Pilate panicking when the supposed king quietly allows his enemies to win his conviction. The Messiah, a shepherd king, come to save his people is walking calmly to his death. That would have made no sense to me. And never would I have understood that by laying down his life, my good shepherd was delivering me from the world, that he was delivering me from sin, from the devil, from death. Never would I have understood that he was fighting and winning the greatest battle of all by being arrested and tried and beaten and crucified It is this determination to go forth in such a battle that makes sense now, doesn't it, of what baffled Peter, what undid him and his disciples and Pilate. And it is what his enemies completely missed. But let us remember. Let us remember this that Jesus would use his authority not only to lay down his life, but to take it up again. Shepherd who dies but then rises back to life stronger than before. And that indeed is a very good shepherd to have. For his sacrifice not only saved me once against the foe, but assures that he will protect me and defend me always. Brothers and sisters, we do, we do not commemorate a dead champion. I mean, we, we celebrate the sacrifice, the laying down of a life so that our good shepherd would all the more be exalted and given rule over every other authority that may exist. Our good shepherd is alive and he tends to our needs now. He protects us now. Satan and his forces may still try to harm us and steal us, but nothing and no one can snatch us out of our shepherd's hand. He intercedes for us now. He is preparing our room in glory now. And he will keep his promise to return and bring us to his home. What then can temporary troubles do to us when we have such a good shepherd? Surely we have to say with David, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that is a wondrous hope. That is a wondrous love. We give you thanks, our God, for our Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. We thank you for a shepherd that became a lamb and offered himself as our own sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, our good shepherd has saved us. He has protected us from the foam, and yet he has risen again, and even now he is here, present with us. Wherever we are, in each home that we might be in, he's with us. And will always be with us. And we thank you. Thank you for this wondrous hope we may have. And we thank you for his wondrous love. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing now. What wondrous love is this?
3: You got old ears up here, Chris.